Imagine a scenario in which your customer base is shrinking while competition is on the rise and new alternatives to your product are being launched all the time. Sounds like a climate where focusing on customer experience is pretty crucial to brand survival. Well, welcome to the market for higher education in the United States. I think this industry makes for an interesting case study about how organizations need to respond to the demands of the marketplace in the age of the customer. A summary of the insights from my conversation with Josh will be available in the show notes for this episode, which are on my website, julia-alfelt.com or decodingthecustomer.com. Welcome to Decoding the Customer, a podcast about customer experience and how to realize customer-centric change in today's dynamic business world. I'm Julia Allfelt, Certified Customer Experience Professional, Business Advisor, and your host as we explore topics, trends, and best practices that are enabling brands to thrive in the age of the customer. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're a regular listener, thank you, and it's great to have you back. This is episode 74, the first episode for the month of March, 2020. Returning listeners will know that this show includes different types of episodes. At the start of the month, I normally feature an expert interview or a CX case study, something to inspire and spark thinking while we dive deep into the practical how-tos in the CX mini masterclass episodes during the rest of the month. Today, I'm sharing a conversation that I recently had with Josh Dodson, the Vice President of Marketing and Innovation at Vision Point Marketing. Josh doesn't just strategize, he delivers results. With his uncanny ability to author strategy, execute nuanced technical tactics, and leverage big data, Josh has helped countless institutions modernize their enrollment and marketing programs. His expertise with digital marketing, analytics, and SEO for higher education has made him a sought-after thought leader in the industry. Before joining Vision Point, he led digital marketing efforts at Bentley University, Southern New Hampshire University, Eastern Kentucky University, and Lincoln Memorial University. His experience both inside the university and partnering with them from the outside gives him a unique perspective that clients find invaluable. Some industries were earlier to the party than others in terms of focusing on customer experience. As a result, we have lots of insights about customer experience management within banks, retailers, and travel companies. But as we move deeper into the age of the customer, marketers and operations leaders from across a diverse array of industries are embedding CX best practices in their organizations. Often regardless of the fact that the term customer experience isn't in their title or their official mandate. This should be a heartening fact one that points to the broad impact of customer experience and how organizations across sectors are taking note. Through our conversation, Josh provides a unique window into how customer centricity, or perhaps we should call it student centricity, is playing out in higher education. Josh is a marketer, and so while his focus on the higher education customer journey originated with the sales funnel, you can tell he has his eye on the broader context of the changing student-customer landscape and how universities need to manage the full life cycle of their relationship with a student. While speaking with Josh, I was also struck by the similarities between the challenges facing schools and universities and those facing organizations from almost any sector. 
Things like helping the organization shift from an inward-looking perspective to an outward-looking one, removing silos to understand the full spectrum of customer experience, or demonstrating ROI. There's some pretty fascinating parallels to the CX maturity journey that we see play out across sectors. I also took this opportunity to ask someone in higher education about their thoughts on where customer experience-related courses should sit. Since we know this is an area of focus for many organizations and businesses, yet formal education options are still somewhat limited. So if you're looking for some insight into how customer experience is taking shape in an industry that is facing disruption and steep competition, then stay tuned. Thanks, Josh, so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Julie. I'm happy to join and uh, looking forward to it. So those of us who work in the field of customer experience, some of us have customer experience in our title, other people don't. It's a new field of work, so this is to be expected. And pretty much everyone accepts that titles have little bearing over individual contributions to customer centricity. What has been your exposure to the field of customer experience? How have you been involved? So my focus has largely been around the field of higher education. I've worked in higher ed for nearly 14 years now. And even though we typically don't use the term customer experience, a lot of the work we do on the marketing side and specifically the enrollment management side is basically that. What we tend to do is we focus a lot, for example, on the enrollment funnel and different things that we're working towards. For example, some of the things that I've been uh, a part of and been able to help with would be things like developing the strategies and marketing plans and tactics, implementing different approaches and advertisements, things like that, measuring and optimizing that experience. Because typically the goal in the area where I'm working is to get new students to enroll in colleges and universities. So We're really trying to look at that full range all the way from when they first become aware that they need a degree and they first become aware of a particular university, generating that interest, getting them to move further down that enrollment funnel and eventually, ideally, apply and enroll in the university. That tends to be the majority of my experience kind of in that marketing side of things. But There really is a lot there that even goes beyond just enrollment. And it's part that I think gets a lot less attention in higher ed, but it's something that's equally as important to make sure that we're not just getting students, but we're retaining them and helping them all the way towards the completion of their degree. How do you think that customer journey or that student journey has changed? How is it different from maybe a journey that you know, a student would have experienced 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago? I think if you look back 25, 30 years, marketing wasn't really a thing like it is today in higher ed. Colleges were largely relying on the same ways to get students. And people basically knew oftentimes that they were going to get a degree or they weren't, that maybe their families had a degree from a particular school and it just made sense for them to go on, or there was just a school in their area that they wanted to attend. Whereas now it's really changed in quite a big way because of things like digital advertising and all of the different ways that schools are reaching out to prospective students. And that's not even just students within their own 
backyard area that students all across the nation. And you can see a rise, for example, here in the U.S. with schools like Southern New Hampshire University. I was formerly the AVP of digital marketing there. So currently the largest nonprofit online school in the nation. And we had students from every single state, as well as a lot of different countries. So the outreach efforts and just kind of bringing in people and making that a really easy transition and process from, again, that first point of awareness all the way through to enrollment. You know, schools like SNHU, as well as some of the for-profits like University of Phoenix, they've made it extremely easy for the student in that journey and taking a lot of that effort away. Whereas, again, 25, 30 years ago, the onus was entirely on the student. So a lot has changed really in the world of marketing and the way that that works today. Has that changed because of increased competition? Absolutely. It's a combination of increased competition as well as a decreased pool of potential students. For example, looking at 2019, college enrollments in the United States decreased 1.3% year over year. So that's about 231 fewer students from the previous year. If you look at and compare enrollment, for 2019 to 2011, that enrollment's down 11%. So that's 2 million fewer students. So there's a significant decline in the population and in terms of the amount of students that are going to school. And that's only going to continue to get worse as the population continues to decline in a lot of the different areas, as well as new players entering the field and really trying to compete in a big way. So It's kind of a double whammy of more competition and also fewer people to reach. Just out of curiosity, I mean, why are there fewer people going to university? In general, fewer people uh, graduating from high school. And it's not that people are graduating less often. It's just that there are fewer people in high school. The population kind of has been declining. And it's only really going to get worse over the next few years because in 2008, when the recession started, people really stopped having children at the rate that they were previously. And so it's already been dwindling down a bit, but it's only going to increase. So that competition will be even more fierce than it is today. And there's going to be many fewer students to actually enroll. But at the same time, something else that's important is that there is a very large market for Americans who've left college without a degree. So they have some college credit, but they've not completed. And that's a little over 36 million or about 20% of the working age population. So there are still a huge market and a huge availability of people to recruit to come to school. However, that's very different than the traditional college student. Thinking 20, 30 years ago, the traditional college-age student, that's the primary audience, whereas now the opportunity has really shifted to the adult market. So there have been some significant changes in that way. And I would also hazard to guess, too, that major swings in population. So there's the baby boom and then there was the baby boom echo. And, you know, these things sort of ebb and flow in any case. Then you guys working in this field have a, based on population stats, have an interesting view on what your potential size of your customer market is. I would absolutely agree with that. The ebb and flow of just the number. And also, I think an interesting 
consideration with the different generational shifts is that with the millennials, they're also finding more opportunities to get education in alternative means. For example, boot camps to learn how to do programming and things like that. So it's not necessarily through a traditional college or university. It's through an alternative way that they're still getting the same quality education many times, but it's not in the way that it used to be. And so a lot of people are turning towards these alternative means of education to just get the information that they need to be able to start their career in a, in a new field. So there are things like that where the baby boomers might not be as interested in something like that as a millennial would be. And so shifts in some of those interests in in the types of education they're pursuing has also shifted quite a bit. Have you ever done journey mapping of the customer journey for the university student? Yes, absolutely. We've done some journey mapping. We tend to do it a little bit more from the perspective of the marketing side of things, communication, Mm -hmm. mapping, things like that, and how we're going to reach different prospective students, kind of depending on what type of interest they show. And if they're entering an email workflow, for example, and then they go to a particular program page to make sure that we're triggering those experiences so that they get the kind of information that will be most helpful to encourage them to go deeper into that enrollment funnel. So I would say a lot of the work that I've done has really been more on that marketing and communication side of things. And one of the challenges that I've also seen very much related to this is that a lot of schools historically have tended to look at this from the perspective of the school and not necessarily from the perspective of the student. And I think that that's also a shift that a lot of schools are really having to reckon with at this point is is making sure that they're not just sending out the information that the school wants the prospective student to know, but rather giving them the information and leading them in the right path to give the prospective student the information that they want to know. Again, that's something that has been very different. And I would say that there's still quite a few schools that haven't quite made that shift to be able to help the student know and kind of access the information and the resources that they really need. That's interesting. And just to let you know, to you know, put your mind at ease, that's not exclusive to the higher education field. If we look in the private sector, most businesses out there haven't been looking at things from the customer's perspective. They've been looking at things from their own perspective for a long time. So making that shift to looking at the world through the eyes of your user or your customer is a massive mindset shift that's happening in the business world also. So you are not alone if you're running into that in higher ed. I can absolutely understand that. How do you think understanding your prospective student's journey has helped schools strengthen their relationships with students? That's a great question. I think that... For the schools that are doing it really well, and I would argue that Southern New Hampshire University, as I mentioned earlier, is one example of a school that's doing it really well. They're able to utilize this by making it much easier for the student the entire process. So, for example, when the student applies and kind of going through the application process, there's someone right there on the phone with them helping them through it, making sure that they're able to 
access the information or if they need to get their records maybe from high school or something like that. They're helping them through that process. And then as soon as that student enrolls, there's someone on the academic side who's, again, helping them with that process, making sure that they're signing up for the right classes, checking in, making sure that there are no issues the entire time. And that's something where even though a lot of schools, they have some kind of advising model or enrollment model where someone is maybe communicating with them a little bit, it's very often not necessarily to the level where some of those schools like an SNHU, like some of the for-profits like University of Phoenix and others are able to step in and really make that process easy for the student. And the easier you can make it for the student, the more likely they are to continue. And when you're able to build that relationship, there are lots of stories and lots of examples where we've seen students build a very strong relationship with those academic advisors, for example. And at graduation, they want to go and meet their advisor in person and spend some time with them. So they're able to build that relationship with individuals who are helping them along, but also being able to pass that relationship off to others within the school and university on the alumni side, for example. There's a lot of opportunity to do more of that and to really help students along in in a way that makes sense. Because if you think about a lot of the students, for example, who maybe they're first-generation college students who have no idea what steps to go through, and if they're left on their own to figure it out, their likelihood of getting everything right, taking all of the appropriate steps, is very small. And so schools like Eastern Kentucky University, for example, have implemented different programs to be able to help students as they're moving through the process and trying to get them the information that they need. I think that there's still a lot of room in that area where schools can really get better at engaging with students really at every step of the way. So that way they're continuing to have that strong relationship with the individuals within the institution, with the school overall, and they're building that pride and they're building that that sense of belonging. So again, definitely seen some schools do it really well, but there's still, I think, a lot of opportunity to grow in that area. Definitely. I mean, ease of use is something that we see as an important priority for customers across all sorts of sectors, not just in higher education. We're all getting to the point where the kinds of experiences we're expecting are the experiences that we get with our cell phone or with... Google. So I might not compare my school application experience to just another school application in my mind. I'm actually applying that experience to a sign-up process that I had for some apps that I did. Even though we know logically that those are two totally different experiences because the world of apps and stuff has made everything so easy and seamless, I now project that expectation that everything's going to be easy and seamless onto like everything else that I do. Yeah, absolutely. I think to that point, one of the things that we talk about quite a bit as we're helping schools with their websites and upgrading their website experience is things like personalization. Think of you know Amazon, for example. And mm-hmm. if you've bought this, you might also want to purchase this other thing. And prospective students are kind of expecting, to your point, that kind of experience, but they're very often not getting that on the school website. So We've been trying to do more of that kind of personalization, either algorithmically 
or just even simple logic-based personalization. They went to this page, so they've indicated an interest in this area so we can show them more information about things related to that. So that's a really important point and something that I think will actually be a significant differentiator over the coming years with schools that are implementing that sort of thing will be able to compete much easier than in the schools that don't. Are universities thinking about customer journeys in the context of kind of a consumer's or an individual's or student's broader life cycle, their sort of overall lifetime learning journey. I mean, you were mentioning earlier that you're heavily involved in the marketing side of things, but are schools thinking about things in terms of the relationship with a potential student, a student, and then an alumni? Are they thinking about that holistically or are they very much focused on just a couple parts of that? It tends to be really siloed in that space. The enrollment side tends to be siloed more than the academic side once the student is enrolled. And there tends to be a a totally different silo on the advancement or alumni side. In fact, one of the challenges from a technical standpoint is that very often schools don't even have systems implemented that allows you to see a certain individual at each of those stages as they're moving through, they're often very different systems and Mm -hmm. therefore the information is is very incomplete oftentimes. So I think it's gotten better, but it's still very much siloed. And I think some schools you can see where they're trying to integrate that and consider that holistic view, but very much for the most part, it has been a siloed thing and continues to be at most schools. Do colleges and universities have a goal or objective in terms of what success looks like for their relationship with a prospective student? I shouldn't say just prospective student, their their relationship with a student, period. That's a really great question. And one of the things that, for example, drew me to working specifically in higher ed is that I think that there are a couple different goals that you can consider and and sort of think about. One goal is very often the mission of the university. For example, my alma mater, Lincoln Memorial University, which is in Tennessee in the Cumberland Gap area, the mission of that school is to bring access to education to the region. And there are a lot of different types of folks in that region. And so in many ways, success when you look at it from the mission perspective, is to increase education attainment in that area, right? But there is the whole other side of things. And to be able to do that, what they really need is to be able to get the funding that's necessary to support the educational programs and to make sure that they're able to help students actually go through the process and expand programs and different facilities at the university and such. So in that regard, there still very much is a revenue goal and trying to get people through to a certain point, you know, part of that revenue is going to come from the tuition various students will pay into the university. Part of that revenue is going to come from donations. And so merging and and looking at that integration, both on the enrollment side, academic side, as well as on that alumni and advancement kind of donation side of things, that really tends to be a more tangible goal that you can see and really point to. So those are all pieces that they're really looking to do. And I think that for me, what makes it exciting to work in this 
particular industry is that even when we're talking about things like the revenue that is being generated from all of this, it's still very much in service of the mission of the university, which I think is maybe a little bit of a softer metric to look for, but just as important. That's interesting. So these broader metrics can be in service of um, mission, but you guys don't use student retention or student satisfaction or any of those kinds of student-based metrics or measures or measures of success? Yes, absolutely. We definitely look at all of those things. We look at retention. We look at things like the average lifetime student value. Some of the things that we're really trying to do is, is that on the marketing side, I would say that for most schools, they're able to track things like cost per lead or cost per inquiry and how much it costs to get people to raise their hand and say, oh, I'm interested in learning more about a school. One of the things that we're working on is trying to get more schools to go deeper into the funnel and actually look at metrics like cost per enrolled student and to see, for example, how much they're spending on marketing to actually enroll one particular student and whether that value is in the right area, if you will, for getting that return on the investment. Because again, you do have to think about those investments. You have to think about that return. You have to think about the kind of channels and marketing approaches that are working the best. So there are definitely quite a few metrics that we look at on a regular basis. And I actually spend a lot of my time working on the analytics side and and also creating things like predictive models and working with schools to do things like regression-based analysis of their marketing mix and things like that. So we are very much looking at all of those different areas and trying to continue to educate schools to get more and more sophisticated, to be able to connect those disparate systems that I talked about a moment ago so that you can actually see things like cost per enrolled student. I'd imagine that it would be difficult to see those things if you've got like a highly siloed institution that looks at the components of a student's journey independently and not holistically. If you don't have that kind of like single view of student, it it would be challenging to calculate that over the total lifetime of a student from prospective student to student to alumni. Absolutely. It can be very very difficult. And a lot of the different departments that you talk to, a lot of the marketing departments, for example, don't have really any idea of what the student value might be, even excluding things like donations and the alumni side of things, where there tends to be a lot more variables. But even just on the uh, academic side, how much a student is worth when they're paying in for things like tuition and so forth, it's really not a metric that a lot of folks are looking at or or even know to look at, frankly. So that's one of those areas where we're really spending a lot of time educating various institutions about the importance of looking at that. So that way they can make better decisions and spend their budgets in a wiser way. When you talk to institutions about these things, is there like a light bulb moment or an aha moment for them where they're like, oh gosh, we should really be thinking about things this way? Absolutely. There very much does tend to be. For six years or so, I was teaching a class on web analytics for higher ed. It was an introduction class where we were talking about measuring the various goals and marketing metrics and going through and understanding how everything needs to relate back to very specific goals and purposes. And one of the comments that I would hear a lot from the students is that it completely changed the way that they saw 
their job and saw what marketing is, in fact, in higher ed and what the real purpose of it is, looking at that true goal and not just thinking about some of those easy to measure metrics. And looking at that and even going deeper and deeper as the systems become integrated, where, for example, we're able to integrate into the CRM and then integrate into other systems where the data is at. And then you have access to a lot more to be able to make those connections and run those algorithms and those data models to get the sense of what really is driving success. And when they have access and they can start seeing the results of that, it definitely is an eye-opening moment where they're like, wow, this is definitely what we need to be doing. And a lot of them don't realize how easy it can actually be to do that. Not to say it is super easy, but it's much easier than I think a lot of them think it is. They probably just have to take a step back and maybe let some of their processes go a little bit and look at things in a fresh and different way. Exactly. You mentioned a minute ago that you were teaching a course on web analytics for higher education, which is fantastic. Sounds like it's something that is very much needed in this field. I know that I have probably on a weekly basis, people approaching me on email or on LinkedIn to ask about how they can learn more about customer experience, customer centricity, customer analytics. And a lot of them are really frustrated because of the lack of courses and resources that are available for, you know, quote unquote, formal study on this topic. And I know from some of my own personal exposure to higher education in South Africa, where I'm currently based, there's not a lot of courses on these topics available to students. Do you think that universities are doing enough to educate students about things like customer experience and journey mapping and analytics? I think that some are doing a really great job with it. I think that you can definitely see a couple different ways that universities approach this. And when you're thinking about, at least from the marketing side, some of the specific approaches and things like that. I know, for example, when I was working on my master's degree in internet marketing, that was very much a thing that we talked about and considering the user journey and all of the different stages and even things like the different ways that people use search engines to navigate and get to the type of information that they want and how to encourage them through the funnel So I think that there are definitely some programs, some schools that are doing that. And they tend to be the schools that really focus a lot more on, you know, what's often referred to as real world education. Basically, the types of things that people are actually doing in the space, people who are working in various companies are are actually doing, as opposed to just the academic-based research courses, which are great in their own way, and I'm certainly not knocking them. But I can definitely see a pretty significant difference as well in the way that certain programs are structured to be able to bring in expertise from individuals currently working in the field, as opposed to academics maybe who are pretty far removed from the actual way that businesses run today. Again, there's a place for each type of program and each type of individual, but I find that there are more schools doing that real-world education. And those, again, tend to be the ones that are more successful. They tend to be the ones that have a better fighting chance as the competition increases. I definitely think that there's some schools doing it really well. That's interesting. 
regardless of what type of institution this is, if it's one that focuses more on kind of the real world practical approach to things, or if it's an institution that's focusing a little bit more on academic research, where do you think courses on these topics should sit within marketing, MBA courses? Should everybody be getting a little bit of this in their education? What do you think? Where does it belong? I think that there's definitely a key benefit in the marketing side for sure. And and that's what I can speak to the most from my own experience. But I could definitely see a really strong benefit with focusing on things like this and general business, MBA programs, things like that, because it, it really is important to your point earlier to look at that holistic view of things. And a general business program, such as an MBA program, is a great way to do that and to look at the holistic view of an institution or a business. I think that there are some examples that are being used that I think are really interesting that have been used even since the 1800s, like the ADA, AIDA model of awareness, interest, desire, action, and then of course, retention. Different marketing models that have kind of focused on that. So I think that there's a very natural place for it in the marketing area. But I think that there's also a lot of similarities and a lot of other ways that it could really be considered in ways that are not just marketing and looking at that full experience. So yeah, I would absolutely agree that the marketing side makes sense. One other consideration though, and just to point out that a lot of MBA programs have seen significant decreases in enrollment and particularly MBA programs since 2008. And so that's a key consideration. A lot of students have actually moved towards more specialized degrees, degrees such as, you know, just a master's in marketing or a master's in analytics or things like that. So there's certainly still a place for all of it. And still within the traditional MBA, I would definitely say that that is the case. But I think that we should also consider as more students are doing things like the more specialized degrees, like the master's in analytics, for example, finding ways to introduce these concepts there. So that way it can be applied in new and interesting ways in other fields. I completely agree because it's great for the marketing team to be very clued into this. We want that. But if the rest of the business, people in operations and sales, general business management, on the tech side of the business are not clued into this and they're not thinking customer, then it really hampers the efforts to improve customer experience because the marketing team may be doing a great job of pushing people towards the funnel and making an awesome funnel. But if the funnel drains into a bucket with holes in it, then that's no good. That's a great point. Thank you, Josh, so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate you having me on and uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to my interview with Josh Dodson. I hope that our conversation provided some inspiration about where to look for opportunities to improve customer journeys. Josh spoke at length about the importance of facilitating ease of use for students, and that's a concept that can be applied to any context. Really, there are no customers out there who want a more arduous customer journey. So that's a practical place to start if you are looking for opportunities to improve customer experience. Customization is another important point of differentiation, and it can be an enabler for better ease of use with experiences. 
When it comes to driving student-centric change, higher education institutions are also beholden to top-line metrics like revenue. These are often in service of a greater mission, but as is the case elsewhere, schools still need to establish the connection between customer-level success metrics and their headline objectives, if marketing leaders and others want to demonstrate return on investment from CX. And finally, if you are one of the many customer experience professionals out there fighting the good fight to improve customer experience maturity or customer-centric maturity in your organization, I really hope that my conversation with Josh provided some consolation that you probably aren't alone in the challenges that you're facing. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd invite you to share the program with others or head on over to iTunes and rate the program. This helps others discover the show. I'll be back every Thursday this month with new CX mini masterclass episodes. These episodes are designed to be punchy, bite-sized overviews of key customer experience concepts and practical approaches that you can use. So be sure to listen in or subscribe for updates when new shows go live. If you're looking for help realizing customer-centric change in your organization, please don't hesitate to get in touch. My contact details are on my website, or you can reach me on LinkedIn and Twitter. My handle is at Julia Allfault.